welcome to today's podcast, uh, looking at the domestic tariff landscape. I'm Anna Moss, I'm Retail Manager at Cornwall Insights, and I've got my colleague Kate here with me. Hi there, I'm Senior Analyst um, with a focus on domestic propositions in the markets. Lovely, thanks Kate. As you might be able to tell, we're obviously recording this in separate locations today, um, so hopefully you can you can hear us all okay. Um, obviously, it's a real time of change for everybody at the moment. Um, um, we just wanted to have a look today across the domestic supply market landscape, taking a look at the impact of some of those changes that have come through the wholesale market through the oil price response to COVID-19, uh, which we'll touch on a little bit later on, but also looking a bit more broadly across the market. So we've seen some really significant changes in um, the different kinds of propositions that are being offered by energy suppliers, um, which kind of companies are offering the cheapest offer. Um, And in reaction to the energy price cap, which came in in January 2019. So just first of all, then, I guess it'd be good to take a step back um, and get an idea of what does the supplier offering look like for consumers at the moment? Okay, so at the end of February, there were over 300 tariffs available to monthly direct debit dual fuel customers, um, which were offered by 65 different suppliers. Uh, Of these tariffs, there were around 189 fixed tariffs and 80 variable tariffs. Um, So that's slightly higher um, than we saw a year ago at the end of February 2019, um, when there were over 250 tariffs available to monthly direct debit customers um, offered by 61 different suppliers. Um, In terms of the fixed and variable proportions, there were 167 fixed tariffs and 84 variable tariffs. Um, However, this is a completely different uh, landscape to what we saw um, between 2014 and 2016, when Ofgem banned complex tiered tariffs and introduced a new tariff structure and limited the range of the tariffs that suppliers could offer to just four core tariffs for both gas and electricity. Um, so yeah, completely different landscape now than it was back then. Hmm. So there's there's a huge amount of variety then. Um, but you, I think you mentioned that's uh, like direct debit tariffs. Is that the same level of variety for all consumers? Uh, no. So um, for consumers with a dual fuel prepayment meter, um, there is much less choice. Um, so there's, at the end of February um, this year, there was 45 prepayment tariffs um, on the market offered by 34 separate suppliers. Um, so that's slightly less um, than what was available at the end of February last year, uh, when there were 50 prepayment tariffs offered by 33 suppliers. Um, we'll come on to this bit a bit further bit later on. Um, But these figures are slightly higher than the 33 prepayment meter tariffs um, that were offered by 25 suppliers in February 2017, um, prior to the prepayment meter cap that was introduced in April 2017. Tariff landscape also varies depending on where in the country you live. Um, So there's there's 14 different supply regions. The regions with the greatest number of tariffs are Eastern and East Midlands regions with 265 tariffs, which are offered by 58 suppliers. Uh, Northern Scotland sees the least number of tariffs. They have 231 tariffs, which are offered by 50 suppliers. Southern Scotland also have um, the second least number of tariffs at 242, um, offered by 54 suppliers. And the rest of the the regions uh, have between 253 to 265 uh, tariffs, which are offered by between 54 and 58 suppliers. Hmm. So, yeah, quite quite variable. Um, so why is it, Kate, then, that we see fewer tariffs offered in the Scottish regions? 
Okay, so it um, kind of reflects a broader pattern in competition in the domestic market in general. Um, so there's fewer newer competitors targeting the Scottish regions, partly because it's more um, sparsely populated, uh, which impacts on things like metering. Um, and there's also a high proportion of consumers off the gas grid. Um, so those that are looking to offer dual fuel contracts uh, tend to initially focus their offering on the central England and Wales regions um, and not, not necessarily on the Scottish regions. Sure. Okay. And I guess there's some big brands up there as well uh, with kind of Scottish titled names too. Yeah. Um, so just to take you back then, um, you mentioned that there were 65 suppliers in the market. Are they all offering a similar range of products? Essentially, no. And um, suppliers all offer a differing number of tariffs. So the number of which changes month on month and not all suppliers have a fixed variable and prepayment tariffs. Um, so at the end of February this year, um, suppliers offered between one and 18 tariffs um, with Orbit Energy, PFP Energy um, offering the 18 tariffs. Um, so for PFP Energy, um, this is partly because it has separate tariffs for paper billing and paperless billing as they're priced differently. And that's also the case for some other suppliers as well. On average, large suppliers have seven tariffs um, with only a small range in the number of tariffs that are offered across the suppliers. Um, all had at least one fixed variable and prepayment tariff, except for British Gas, which didn't have a variable tariff available to new customers. Instead, it had a default variable tariff. Medium suppliers, so those that we class um, as suppliers with more than 250,000 energy accounts um, offered between two and 12 tariffs with Utilita offering the two, Octopus Energy offering the 12, um, and they averaged about six tariffs um, each. All had a variable tariff, um, 67% had a fixed tariff and 60%, uh, 67% had a prepayment meter tariff. Meanwhile, um, small supplies offered between one um, tariff, so the likes of 20 Energy, Pure Planet, Igloo Energy, uh, Gulf Gas and Power, Fox Blue Energy and Effect Energy, um, and 18 tariffs, um, so PFP Energy and Orbit Energy, as I mentioned um, before. And 85% of those small supplies had a fixed tariff, 91% uh, had a variable tariff, and 31% had a prepayment visa tariff. Okay, so that's interesting. It, it sounds like those medium suppliers, the ones with more than 250,000 energy accounts, at the moment have a little bit more of a focus on variable tariffs where you can have a bit more flexibility in changing the price. I, I suppose when we, we look back at our tariff information, uh, we've seen different tranches of suppliers entering over the last 10 years or so with a focus on either fixed or variable rates, um, which perhaps reflects their access to purchasing longer term contracts, changes in their strategy or their approach to risk. Um, I, I guess now as well, there's more companies partnering with new entrant suppliers to offer those trading agreements. So maybe there's a much greater mix of propositions across the supplier groups. I suppose whilst there's the mix of, of propositions, is there much variation in price as well, um, given that they've got different timeframes for purchasing energy still, um, and some of them are facing different policy costs? Yes, so there's a, a lot of variation in price across suppliers. Um, so at the end of February um, this year, there was a price difference of £708 per year on average between the cheapest tariff on the market, which was £784 offered by Outfox the market, and the most expensive tariff, which was £1,492 per year on average, um, which was offered by Ebico, which is a not-for-profit supplier. In terms of the price variation between the cheapest tariff and the cheapest tariff offered by a large 
large supplier, um, which was £843 per year. And there was a difference of £59 um, per year. These tariffs generally tend to be fixed tariffs, um, the cheaper ones that we're talking about. Um, But at the moment, there isn't much variation on the fixed tariffs with regard to the size of the supplier. Um, But we do see a bit of a more variation um, in terms of variable tariffs. Um, The cheapest variable tariff um, was at £796 per year on average, which was £369 per year lower than the average large supplier variable tariff that we saw, um, which was £1,165 per year on average, which... Obviously, they're um, limited under the cap at the moment. Um, but the cheapest tariff isn't always a good co- uh, comparison. And some suppliers may choose to undercut the market. So looking at the average prices across the supplier groups, the average medium supplier variable tariff was at £1,117 per year on average, which was £48 per year lower than the average large supplier variable tariff. And the average small supplier variable tariff was at £1,098 per year um, on average, which was £67 per year lower than the large supplier variable tariff. So there seems to be quite a high level of competition across the supplier groups, especially in the the fixed tariff space. Um, But I think this has come about much more recently. Um, Could you talk a bit about the fall in wholesale prices that we saw at the back end of last year and when we saw the large suppliers becoming a bit more competitive? Yeah, sure. So um, there was a fair amount of fluctuation in wholesale prices over the first nine months or so of 2019. However, from September 2019, they began their um, downward trajectory from £380 per year on around about the 17th of September to £232 per year at the end of February on our measure of wholesale dual fuel costs. Um, and over a similar time frame, we've also seen um, the large suppliers become much more competitive in their pricing, with some even having um, a fixed tariff appearing in their cheapest 10 suppliers. So how have we seen the more recent falls in wholesale price then come through into the domestic retail market? So at the end of February um, this year, wholesale gas and electricity costs um, had fallen £141 per year, year on year, on our measure of dual fuel um, tariffs. Um, we've seen this feed through into the tariffs with the average large supplier fixed tariff down by £211 per year, year on year, and the average medium and small supplier fixed tariffs down £135 per year each year on year. And that's despite um, rises in network costs and policy costs. And I suppose even more recently still, we've seen huge drops in the oil price um, as a response to the coronavirus. Have we seen any of that already being passed through to domestic consumers? No, so we haven't seen um, anything come through yet. Um, As of um, earlier on this week, so around the 23rd of March, and the cheapest tariff on the market was still at around £784 per year on average. Um, But with all the uncertainty um, in the market, that's something that, that we will keep an eye on going forward. So how do these changes impact the price cap as well then? Okay, so let's um, first start with um, what the price cap is. Um, So the default tariff cap came into force on the 1st of January 2019, and it applies to tariffs for all consumers on standard variable and default energy tariffs. Um, Suppliers can price to the level or below the cap, um, but cannot charge more unless they have a derogation. Um, the cap level is adjusted twice a year in February and August to apply um, in April and October, respectively. Um, 
and that reflects the estimated cost of supplying electricity and gas to homes in, within the next uh, six-month period, so the summer or winter period. Um, the current price cap for customers paying by monthly direct debit is £1,179 per year on average. Um, but as of the 1st of April, that's going to reduce down to £1,162 per year on average um, as the next cap period starts. Um, the cap is temporary and it's going to be reduced, um, reviewed this year to see whether it will continue on into next year. There's also, as I've mentioned um, earlier, a prepayment meter price cap, uh, which came into force back in April 2017. It's also temporary and it applies to the prepayment meter customers um, on a non-fixed deal and without an interpretable smart meter. Like with the default tariff cap, it's updated twice yearly and the cap is um, currently set at £1,217 per year, which will reduce to £1,200 per year on average from the 1st of April. Um, the prepayment meter cap is due to end at the end of this year. However, Ofgem is currently consulting on um, whether it will incorporate it into the default tariff cap um, going forward. Um, so wholesale prices um, have been the main driver of the price cap falling uh, from the 1st of April. Um, Ofgem said that um, the costs have decreased by £38 since the last update was announced in August 2019. So there's around a six-month lag in the wholesale prices in each cap period. Um, the regulator said that the wholesale cost in the price cap is driven by the direct dual fuel cost allowance for the forthcoming period, which is calculated um, based on the Ford energy contracts. Um, and Ofgem said that the wholesale prices uh, had been pushed down due to a combination of strong supply fundamentals, including record-breaking LNG deliveries in 2019 and healthy gas stock inventories as well. Um, however, although, although the wholesale prices fell, um, they were partially offset by the rise of policy costs, which were around £15. Okay, so I guess now that we have a, a price cap in the markets, is there any point in switching still? Can you Can you still make savings under the cap? Yes, definitely. Um, if a monthly direct debit customer that was on a variable tariff priced at the level of the cap um, as it stands at the moment, so prior to the 1st of April, if they switch to the cheapest tariff on the market at the moment, um, they could save just under £400 per year. Um, when the cap reduces on the 1st of April, um, and if the cheapest tariff remains as it is at £784, um, then that cost saving would still be quite high, but it would reduce to £378 um, per year on average. Even if you switched uh, from a standard variable tariff to the cheapest large supplier tariff, you could still save £336 per year, um, reducing to a saving of £319 per year from the 1st of April. Okay, so yeah, still quite a, a significant <laughs> saving then, as you say. Yeah. Okay, so that's quite a, a significant saving then. Um, I suppose it partly reflects that lag in the wholesale price element that you talked about, where maybe some suppliers are able to take advantage of, of more recent falling rates as they're passed through. Um, so have those kind of savings been available since the cap was introduced then? And have we continued to see consumers switching under the cap? Yes, yeah, so savings have been available since the cap was um, introduced at the beginning of last year, so 2019. Um, but the savings now compared to the cheapest um, tariff uh, back then when it first was introduced are around £170 per year greater than they were in January 2019 and over £200 greater um, 
by switching to the cheapest large supplier now, you did so back in January 2019. So you mentioned earlier that there's talk about removing the price cap. Um, what would that do to prices? Okay, so Ofgem is due to undertake a review for the Secretary of State um, this summer on whether the market conditions exist for the default price cap to be lifted or if it should be extended past 2020. Um, it's required to make its recommendation to the Secretary of State um, by the 31st of August. And the Secretary of State will then decide by the end of October whether to extend the cap um, if it's not removed, then Ofgem would carry out further reviews in 2021 and 2022 um, until the cap ceases to affect at the end of 2023. The prepayment cap, however, um, is due to end the end of this year um, on the 31st of December. Ofgem is currently consulting on whether prepayment meter customers need protection after the cap expires and how that protection would be provided, whether it be a replacement pre prepayment meter cap um, or just adjust the default tariff cap so it protects the prepayment meter customers at a suitable level as well. Uh, in terms of price, we don't know what removing the cap would do. If we look at February 2018, prior to the default tariff cap being implemented, the cheapest tariff on the market was £809 per year on average, um, and the average large supplier variable tariff was £1,131 per year on average, which meant that a customer on a large supplier variable tariff switching to the cheapest tariff on the market could still save £322 per year on average. However, suppliers have said that um, they have brought their energy ahead based on the same methodology used in the price cap. So we could see changes in prices if they decided to move away from this again. Uh, maybe we'd see a faster reaction to significant wholesale increases or decreases. Um, but that's that's yet to, to be known. Sure. Yeah. And I guess we, like you say, ultimately don't really know what would happen under the uh, removal of the price cap. But we saw savings before it was introduced and savings as it continued as well. Um, but I suppose one thing that, that's quite interesting to have a look at is... Like you mentioned, we previously had um, a, a cap on the number of tariffs you could have under the retail market review. So now we've moved into a space where there's a kind of open option on variety uh, and innovation in, in proposition markets. And then we've brought in uh, further regulatory intervention into propositions. So have we seen any other kind of interesting tariffs, um, even during the sort of lifetime of the price cap or, or just outside of it, I suppose, before it was introduced, beyond the fairly standard forms of fixed and, and variable pricing? Yeah, so we've seen uh, many different types of tariffs uh, which go beyond the traditional tariff model. Um, so we've seen tracker tariffs, which track the default um, tariff price cap at a price set at a percentage below it. Um, for example, Empower's cap tracker tariff, which was priced 6% uh, below the cap, and Orbit Energy's 10% off for life tariff, which prices 10% uh, below the cap. Um, there's also time of use tariffs, um, such as that offered by Octopus Energy, um, where there are daily price updates that follow the, the wholesale cost of energy. Um, there's other suppliers charging a membership fee instead of a, a standard charge, um, whilst others like Epico have zero standing charge. There's other suppliers um, such as PowerShop um, who sell their electricity in bundles, which they call power packs, um, which it says gives the customer the freedom and the control to buy as much or as little as they need when they need it. Um, we've also seen the implementation of um, 
community energy tariffs uh, from Co-op Energy whereby it says that the tariff is 100% powered by community-generated green electricity projects with a carbon neutral gas too. And it says the power from the projects is brought directly through power purchase agreements, um, so PPAs, and the profits go towards the local initiatives. Other suppliers are offering specific tariffs um, to target regions on top of their tariff offerings that they offer across all regions. So, for example, uh, Robinhood Energy has a fixed variable and a prepayment tariff uh, specific for Nottingham residents. Um, suppliers are also responding to new areas of the market as they develop. Um, so there's tariffs for electric vehicles. Um, it's a good example of this. And there's now around 10 suppliers that have a specific EV tariff. Meanwhile, we've got um, Bristol Energy, um, who've been working on selling heat as a service in the form of a heat plan tailored to the uh, individual home and lifestyle rather than selling it in the traditional form of kilowatt hours. And more recently, um, with the introduction of smart export guarantee tariffs um, from the 1st of January this year, um, there's around 15 suppliers um, offering a SEG tariff, uh, which is primarily because the supply license requires suppliers with over 150,000 electricity customers to offer this. Um, but there's also the, the option for them to, to offer it voluntary as well. And it follows on from the uh, feeding tariff scheme, which closed at um, the end of March last year. Okay, that's that's really interesting then. So I, I guess there's a bit of a move away from those traditional proposition models towards something that's maybe a bit more bespoke to a customer, but also quite simple. Things like the, the Bristol heat plan, but, but equally those EV tariffs that are coming through, a lot of which I know are based around fairly traditional um, economy seven or economy 10 models at the moment, but um, some examples as well of, of variants that have gone outside that too. Um, so I think that's probably all, all we will cover today. But if anyone wanted to know more about what we've spoken about today or, or anything else on domestic tariffs, what would you recommend they do, Kate? <laughs> Okay, so we have our um, domestic tariff report service, um, which incorporates both a, a weekly and a monthly report. Um, so the weekly update benchmarks the competitors in the market by their cheapest tariff available. It outlines cheapest tariff by supplier and tariff type um, and notes week on week wholesale price changes. Um, the monthly analysis provides more detailed context setting, um, which brings attention to key developments that are announced during the month and their relevance to, to the current market. And um, we also provide analysis, insight and commentary on how the landscape fits into the wider domestic retail market in terms of policy and regulation and um, supplier entry and exits and also um, wholesale gas and power markets. Um, so, yeah, it's all, all found in our domestic tariff report service. Wonderful. And I suppose almost everything we've talked through today has at some point featured in um, sort of the analysis that we've done in those domestic tariff reports. Um, so I hope you all enjoyed listening to this today and, and thank you very much for downloading. Mm-hmm.